I want to thank Cam and his team, but mostly Cam, because mostly Cam did all this. Isn't it beautiful? I mean, he, he and I think, I think CJ colored in some of the black stuff here, but he did this treasure map and this, this treasure chest. Uh, Reese and Dave uh, donated that, and I'm going to love it at my house. Thank you so much. And treasure and sometimes I know that there are pastors that get these series for the year and they get them mapped out I just don't get them that way and um, we finished the power series and so okay Lord you know if you want me to have a series one I have to have a series but if you want me to have a series you're gonna have to give me a word and he gave me the word treasure and then I just I love to do word searches and it's so easy now with with computers and going to Bible gateway or whatever your app you use just to type in a word and see how many times it pops up in Scripture. Go home and type in treasure and see how many times it pops up in Scripture. But treasure is, uh, there's two definitions for treasure. There's the uh, noun. Can we see the noun on the screen? Okay. It's a quantity of precious metals, gems, or other valuable objects. Would you all agree? Like if you, if you were going on a treasure hunt, you would want to find something valuable, right? But it can also mean that you value people because we are, I mean, we can be objects. But so we treasure people, right? We value people. We cherish people, all right? Uh, then the verb is to keep carefully a valued item or valuable, to cherish, to hold dear, to value highly, or to prize. So when we treasure something, how many of you treasure something? Or you treasure someone? And you, you, you cherish this thing or you cherish this person. Probably some of you, if I ask you what you valued, what, what, what is the treasure that you treasure? Because you can actually say it that way. What is the treasure that you treasure? Uh, some of you would have different, you'd have different ideas and some of you may have it in safety deposit box. You may have it in a safe. You may hang it, have it hanging on the wall of your house. You may have a picture in your billfold that represents somebody that's precious to you, that you treasure, that you cherish. So a lot of things that we talk about when we talk about treasure and we talk about what we treasure, it's important in the kingdom of God that we know what we treasure. We know it's, it's important that we, we, we know that there are things that we should treasure. And so this morning, as we delve into the scriptures, I want us to, I want you, first of all, to treasure. I want, I want to ask you, have you treasured your time in the presence of God this morning? Because if you've come here and you haven't Raleigh, whoo, man, I treasure this. And we started out with, with expectation is a breeding ground for miracles. A lot of people, you know what you do? You just show up. You, you know, you just, you're barely getting the sleep out of your eyes when you walk into the building like, Ah, oh, man, turn the lights down, man, bro. It's a little bright in here. What are those twinkly things in the up there? Man, what's, you know, and you just come in and you're like half days and you didn't have any expectation. And so then, you know, the, the breeding ground for miracles for you has not been, been shaken. It's not been stirred. It's not been, it's not been tilled. That, that soil hasn't been tilled. But others of you came here this morning with an expectation that God was going to show up. Man, you treasure, you treasure your time in the corporate body of Christ. We should listen. If we really are brothers and sisters in Christ, we should treasure our time together. It shouldn't be happenstance. It shouldn't be, I think we'll go. I don't think we'll go. You know what? You know, it should be, I treasure this because it's a privilege for us to come to the house of God. We should also treasure this. I've got a treasure map over there and it's got a Bible on it. But listen, this is our treasure map. Hold up your Bible if you brought one with your, your phone. This is our treasure map. Hey, I, I, hold them up. That looks good. Uh, our live stream's getting all this, see? All the, the Word of God is our treasure map. You should want to dig into this. It's hidden treasures in here. 
See, you think you know it all? And nobody knows it all except Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many of you, when you read the Scripture and you're digging in the Scripture, or sometimes you just flip it open to a passage and God says, there is a hidden treasure that you haven't seen before, isn't there? You go, yes! You look at it. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 25 too. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. How many of you have watched the science shows and, um, and you watch the, those uh, documentaries and how scientists are still discovering things? You see, God has not revealed everything to everybody yet. They're still finding galaxies, billions of galaxies. We just thought there was the Milky Way and a couple of others. And they say there's just no end to it. God is still creating. When he spoke the world into existence, he's still, they're, they're still being created, I believe. Because it's, it's the sound has gone out. The sound of heaven has gone out. And so how many, you know, you watch these, movies, these shows about uh, insects or animals and how God has made them into un, unbelievable. I was watching the, a documentary with, with Ezra the other day because Ezra likes, he likes to watch animals too. So we were, we were, we were taking a nap together in Austin and, and we were watching a documentary and it was, and it's, it was these, the bottlenose dolphins. Have you ever seen bottlenose dolphins? And it was about how they would go around in the Bay Area and they would come as a group. And listen, God has to do this. He has to create these. And they come around in a group and they have one bottleneck dolphin goes around and splats his tail into the dirt, into the mud, into, into the shallow water. And it starts stirring up all these fish. These little fish that, you know what they do? They jump out because they're scared and they jump up. Well, guess who's waiting for them when they jump up? All of his brother dolphins. They're all... You know, it's just amazing what God... I've never known that before, so I've, I've, I've discovered a new mystery. You ever seen a chameleon? Oh, my goodness. How could they do that? I think God said, I want you to have color. I want you to blend in when you need to blend in. I want to protect you with just... So there are so many things out there, guys, that in, in the same holds true for this. I say that to say this. There are hidden mysteries in here. And God wants you to be so eager to search them out. Because we are kings and priests, right? So why don't we start searching out the matters and searching out the mysteries in the Word of God? Psalm 119, 162 says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Say treasure. I rejoice at his word. And many times we, we don't rejoice at the word. As a matter of fact, we avoid the word. Man, put a, and listen, if you, don't, if you don't have a magazine rack by your toilet... And it doesn't have some gospel literature. You got the wrong kind of literature next to your toilet. Toilet. Sometimes that's all the time you got to give God. Well, give it to Him then. You know, don't get in a hurry. Just say, "Okay, God, what do you want to show me today?" Streams in the desert. I'll read it. Yeah, I want to read some wisdom from God today. At least I didn't say commode. Until then. So the next few weeks, I don't have a clue where God's going to take us on this journey, but it's going to be a treasure hunt. And we're going to go start digging for where, where he wants us to see what he wants to see, what he's showing us. Because Ron, Ron preached on catapult last week. Remember, y'all, how many of you were here last week? Said catapult. He said catapult. I didn't tell y'all to say catapult. But that's okay. Say catapult. Okay. So he, he was talking about us being catapulted into this next level. Well, we already know we've been catapulted. We already know we've been moving into the next level. How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all know that? Okay. This this side, we're gonna move. We're gonna move. Make some changes pretty soon. We're looking at actually moving the center of the stage to right here. No, right here, right here. 
and getting a new camera and all that. So we'll be y'all won't y'all won't feel left out over there. Okay. But so in this next few weeks, I don't know where God's going to take us on this. But when when Ron said we're going to be catapulted, I said, okay, God, what does that look like? What do you want me to share with the body of Christ that's going to get us to the next level? Well, we've got the growth track to freedom Wednesday nights. We've had like some powerful times. We have heavenly encounters. We have freedom foundations. We have men's Bible study on Monday. This men's Bible study on Monday night is powerful. And it's exciting because more guys are coming. It's a life group. It's like these guys, the same guys are showing up. They're bringing somebody with them. We had 20 guys there last, last Monday night. Now I know that's not a whole lot, but when you start out with about 10, 12, 13, 14, then there's 20, and they can't wait to get there and get into the Word, get into the treasure and dig into the map that God has for us. It's exciting. Same way for the women's Bible study. And I know there are other life groups that have been mushrooming out of this body organically, like our, our veterans outreach and our, our food pantry and, and the R&R market and, and there's life groups that'll be starting back up in the fall. We have so many ways for you to get plugged in and go after the the treasure that God has for you, it's just going to be you. Are you willing to look for it? Okay? I mean, when you were a kid, you, you, watch, you like the movies about treasure maps. Uh, Indiana Jones, you know, that was one of my favorites. Always, there was always a treasure map involved, right? And so people, have, it's something like, wow, how do we get that? So I want you to say this morning, wow, how do I get where God wants me to go? Okay? So... If you're willing to ask him, he's going, to, he's going to be very ready and willing to tell you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. We finished our power series in Acts chapter 4. So God said, I want you to go back to Acts chapter 4. I said, okay, Lord, I'll go back to Acts chapter 4. He said, I want you to see some things that we're supposed to treasure in the church. Because I think that was a new level for the church. Matter of fact, that was the beginning. That was the catapult. The day of Pentecost was the catapult for the new church. Okay, so they laid a lot of groundwork then, and that groundwork was solid. And, and that groundwork was beautiful that they were laying. But, but God wants us to see some things about us, Freedom Fellowship, about the local church that will apply to us that he was showing the early church and how they were to get to the next level. Now, I want to just read the verse, verse 32, just the first part of it. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. The multitude of those who believed were of one heart. Say one heart and one soul. Say one soul. The first thing I want you to see is we need to treasure unity. We need to value unity. We need to cherish unity. We need to prize unity. We need to go after unity. And here's the what, here's the thing. Without unity, the enemy comes in and he will wreak havoc in a body of believers. That's what he loves to do. He likes to bring disunity. He likes to bring division. When you got a vision, he wants to bring a division into the vision. He wants to, he wants this group to have a vision and that group to have vision, that group to have vision. And then God said, no, I gave you a vision and they're supposed to follow the vision that I've given you. And the vision that God gave me is the vision that he's given every church to go out and seek and save those that are lost, to see them set free, healed, delivered. That's what he's called us all to be about. So, he said, if you don't do this in unity, you will never survive. You will never catapult to the next level. We must treasure it. I can't imagine that early church, that first church, think about the unity that was there. There's probably not been that kind of unity in the body of Christ since then. Because men and women, human beings, we have a way of messing up something good that God has God has performed, that God has laid out for us. We're going to see what happens in the early church here. But they treasured 
unity. They knew that if they were going to go forward in faith, if they were going to go forward and reach the world, which was the mandate of Jesus Christ, they had to be of one mind. In the upper room, what were they of? One accord. Right? And so when they came in that day of Pentecost, 3,000, and another day, 2,000. So we got 5,000 people here pretty much in one accord. Look at verse 32b. Now, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common with great power. This is the verse we read two weeks ago. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Say great grace. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each one as anyone had need. The second thing I want you to see this morning, we've got a treasure unselfishness. Hmm, that was a, hmm. You know why we did that? You know why your response was that? Because we're selfish people for the most part. We want things our way. I mean, let's just be honest. You, you want to eat what you want to eat for lunch. You're not thinking about what everybody else needs to eat for lunch today. Are you? Some of you are just now, or you start thinking, oh, now I'm hungry. You just put that thought in my head. Where are we going to eat, honey? Where are we going to go after church? We don't even, I, normally we don't even think about it unless Mary Lou cooks. We just, after church, we go, well, what do we do? <laughs> but we are normally, you see, the number one sin, I believe, is selfishness, which is prideful. It's wanting everything for you. It's not thinking of anybody else. Now, this group of people, they were just the very opposite of selfishness. Can you imagine living in that environment where it says, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own? Because, see, we like our possessions. It is quiet in here. When you get to the place where you recognize that what you have doesn't belong to you, you're going to get free. But as long as you think you own it, you're not going to be free. As long as you think you've got control, you will never be free. Y'all understand what I'm saying? These people, they were free. I mean, they were free, 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 because they just said, I don't care. What do, you, what do you need? And they were willing to give it up. But we go, we have to calculate everything. We have to think everything through. We got to, oh, I'm going to have to go home and pray about that. You know, it didn't even say they prayed about it. It just says whatever they needed. It says, this wouldn't mind. This is, what do you need? Here it is. I'm going to give it to you because it doesn't belong to me. So when you get to that place, and I know we're not all to that place. I don't think I'm there to that place yet either. But I know that God's told me to give this away before, and I gave it away. And guess what? He blessed me more than after I gave you something away, with something better than what I gave away. See, if we can get to this place, guys, if we can get to that place. Listen, I can't even tell you how many times in this church people have come to me and said, I want to give a car away. You know somebody that needs a car? And I usually go, yes, I do. And we, they, they write it, they sign their title over, and they say, here it is. I mean, when you get to that place where God says, give this away, and you go, okay, God, and you don't argue with God, you don't wrestle with God, you don't go try to try to rationalize and compromise, once you start understanding the early church and the unity that they were involved in, and the fact that what they didn't, what they had wasn't their own, and they were willing to give it up, you, this is when we'll be catapulted to the next level, when we become unselfish. When we come to the place, well, whatever I've got, it's not mine. God's just blessed me with it. But I worked hard for it. Well, who gave you the strength to work hard for it? 
But I saved for it. Well, who gave you the wisdom to save? I would camp there longer, but it's just going to get even better. In Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where the thieves break in and steal. Don't do that, he said. Now, if Jesus says don't do it, you probably shouldn't do it. I probably shouldn't do it. But, say but. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? Where? Where neither moss nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would y'all read that with me together? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we do with what God has given us on earth determines what our treasures are in heaven. Can I share that with you again? I didn't hear Michael say, say it again. I'm going to say it again anyway. What we do with what God has given us on earth determines what our treasures are in heaven. You don't have to be around people too long to know what their treasures are. Right? Just hang around with somebody for a, for a little while, for a week or two or a month or whatever. Get to know somebody. You'll, you'll find out what their treasure is. You'll, you'll find out if they treasure this or not. You'll find out if they treasure this or not. But you, you'll find out if they treasure this or not. There's not much in there. <laughs> but you'll find out. Just hang around somebody very long. You'll know what, what, what their heart is. You know what they were, what they're going after. Guess what? The people that are going after things, guess what they want to tell you about? Their things. They want to brag about their stuff, about their toys. Whoever has the most toys wins, right? No, that's not true. Not in the spirit world. You may be on earth. It may be look like it. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm grieved over people, the suicide rates in their, in, in Kate Spade. You know, she went to the University of Texas. I remember when Tressie told me about her and going to the University of Texas when Tressie was at school there and how she came out with this line of, of, of ladies' handbags that were like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I said, people pay hundreds of dollars for a, something to carry around all your junk in? My wife said, yeah. <laughs> and she committed suicide. In her town, in her penthouse in New York City, they said she was bipolar. She was manic depressive. And then that the uh, chef, Anton, what was his name? Bourdain. You know, you you may think, well, all the glitters is gold, but it's not. And I'm not saying any. I don't know about their their spiritual life. I don't have have no idea if they were saved or lost. I'm just saying you can accumulate a lot of things on earth, and it won't matter at all unless you're building something up there in heaven. Because where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And we'll catapult when we get to the place. What do you need, Pastor? What does the church need, Pastor? We put the need out. Well, we need a van. Okay, we got a van. What do we need? Well, we need sound equipment. Okay, we'll get, we'll get sound equipment. We, what do we need? We need this. We want to give raises to people that work here. How do we do that? Well, we just put the need out there. What happens? Well, people have to start giving. People have to start tithing. God's looking for people that are unselfish. I want to show you a quick video, just about a minute and a half, of what I call is the ultimate of unselfishness. Can we show that video? Hi, Pastor Harold. Hi, Daniel. I'm Pastor Daniel Ololchoki. This is my church. You built me six years ago, and it is, I have 
it's, we are using as a classroom for children. Now I have like more than 20 children. We finally got a teacher. We have two teachers from the government. They gave us teachers and they are doing very well. I want to say thank you for what you have done to me and to this community in large. Thank you so much for building us a church, putting electricity, building an office. Uh, we have an office in the school and I want to thank you very much for what you have done. I only want you to know that it is really growing. It is growing and we thank the Lord. Now you can see the place is so green. We have a lot of rain. Just unlike the other, like three years ago, it was so dry. And I want to thank you and thank you all of you and Freedom Fellowship Church. God bless you so much. I'm so happy. I'm very happy and I'm praying for you that the Lord may bless you so much. Receive the blessings of the Lord. Thank you so much. I'm actually planning to start a, Listen, a new he's church got a vision. He's got in a, vision. a very, very remote place. We were there last night trying to, to show Jesus film, but there was rain. So we cut off at the middle of the seminar, at the, uh, the middle of the movie. So we cut it off. I'm planning to start another church, far and very remote area. Thank you so much, Freedom Fellowship Church. There's the people right here. These are unselfish people. And we've had a part. You know, people, there was prophesied over us many, many years ago that we would go to the nations. We have gone to the nations. I haven't been there, but we've gone to the nations. You haven't been there necessarily. Some of you have. But we've, we've gone to the nations. That's our satellite church. <laughs> they don't have a live feed from us. That, that is, that's when Don and, 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 and Michelle came to us and said, God said to give up everything, to sell everything and go to a tribe, a Maasai tribe that we didn't even know existed a few years ago. And go, that's the unselfishness of the kingdom of God, kingdom mindset people. But you see, if you weren't willing to give, that wouldn't happen. Did y'all know what our largest offerings we've ever given were to Don Babin and Michelle Babin? And that's how they can build these churches. And that's not the only one. And the things that they're doing, the truck that we, we helped to buy, this Toyota 4Runner, that was uh, a, a, one of the most needful things that they had in their ministry. That's because you were unselfish to give. But see, we've got, if we're going to get to the next level, we've got to be more unselfish than ever. Because I want to, I want to see them build that church in the bush. Don't you? I mean, so we went out there and, and he said, we, we started it, but he, we started the video and it got bad and we had to stop the video, but we're going back, he said. Listen, that's what we need to be as a church. Acts 4.36 says, And Joseph, who is also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated, really it's like a nickname, the son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, the, those are just two little verses about Barnabas. There's a reason he put it here. We'll see that in a minute. But the third thing I want you to see is that we need to treasure integrity treasures they integrity see it's one of those lost traits character traits in our country now most people think that well i don't have to tell the truth or i can tell a half truth and listen in the church of christ in, in the church in the body of christ we have no room for anybody to say anything that is not true if we're going to walk if we're going to be catapulted into this next season that god has for us we've got to be the most the people of the most integrity of anybody in this city 
Every Christian on your job, you should have, you should be the one that the boss says, man, that guy, man, he is always, he's always on time. He does a great job for me. I've never caught him with his hand in the till. I've never caught her saying something bad about the other workers. And, and we should be that kind of employee or employer in, in the body of Christ that we walk in this beautiful thing. We treasure integrity. We treasure the truth because Jesus said, I am the way and the what? The truth and the life. So if we, if we treasure Jesus, we should treasure the truth. And he, and he said right here to Barn, he said, he just did what he said he would do. That's what I, that's what I want you to see. We're going to see it in a minute because God compares him to Ananias and Sapphira. But listen to what the Bible says. Jesus says not to swear at all, but in Matthew 5.37, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Listen, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And you're probably not going to get a lot of amens on that because a lot of us, we like the yes, yes, no, no with our excuses attached in parentheses. Right? Well, I would have been there, but, I, you know, Pastor, I was on, I was going to give this but, and this is a but, but, we have a lot of buts in the church. Hey. But God. Saved. I don't know if you've ever hung around, been around people that have a lying spirit on them. Have you? One of the most frustrating things you can be a part of is people that lie all the time. You know, people that have a lying spirit are genuinely think they don't know when they're lying. They, they have a lying spirit on them. They, they think they're telling you the truth and they're just lying. You know, they, they might say something. and You know, you know the people that have a lying spirit on, on them is the people that say, listen, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> they got to tell you that. Huh? You know, I've heard pe- preachers do that. Hey, listen, what I, listen, I'm telling you the truth now. Like, Whoa, what's he telling us before? I'm telling you the truth. But, it's, you know, it's making a point. I know that. Jesus even said, even said that. But if, if you hang around people that lie all the time, you either need to get away from them or you need to get them delivered from the lying spirit. Because Jesus said anything that goes beyond yes, yes, and no, no, that's the enemy is going to come in and, and wreak havoc there and bring division. I heard this because I heard this because well I won't even tell you why I heard it but I heard this that a great no a bad excuse will mess up a great apology you get that a bad excuse messes up a great apology in other words man I'm sorry I have no excuse hey I'm sorry but you know. My toaster wasn't working right, and I had to push it down again. And I was late making my toast, and the butter was, you know, was too hard. I had to melt the butter. And before I, my breakfast, it ran, it ran late. That's why I'm late. See that messes up. I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I should have been here on time. Yeah, we'll move on. I didn't seem to be tripping any trick, you know. If, thank me, thank me for moving on or what? That's Mary Lou's job. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We need to be truthful to each other. And I'm not talking about truthful in a way that's hurtful. I'm speaking, I'm talking about tre- speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in an encouraging way. Acts 5. Flip over to Acts 5 now. We're moving to the next part. This is where it really gets good. Verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Now, Barnabas just sold his, remember, and brought it to the apostles. 
sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, listen to this, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep part, back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Peter had a word of knowledge, you understand? God gave him a supernatural word of knowledge that what they had done, they had done it with wrong intentions, with wrong motives. Okay? Verse 5. Then Ananias, hearing these words, he didn't even get to get out a good excuse, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And I want to put after that, no, duh. <laughs> and the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. That means if you're young and strong, you do the burying. All of us older guys, we don't have to do that. Think about this story. You look at this and go, wow, God is, God is harsh. Or maybe Peter's really harsh. Maybe Peter pronounced death over him. Well, Peter did not. Peter didn't curse him with death, did he? This guy died and he had a heart, he just had a heart attack. The word of, the word of the Lord came upon him and he goes, I think the, he was trying to get out an excuse. You're dead, laying on the floor. Somebody think, well, that's really harsh of God. Well, there's a reason God does certain things. I want to tell you something. Ananias, guess what his name means? Whom Jehovah has graciously given. Whom Jehovah God has graciously given. By His grace, He's given him something. That's what His name means. Sapphira, hmm, it just means a precious stone or beautiful in Aramaic. And it's not stated specifically, but it's implied that Ananias and Sapphira held back something, a portion of the proceeds. Now you go look at the Greek. I don't, I, you know, the Greek is awesome because. We, it's nice that they say kept back, but the actual Greek word means they misappropriated or stole funds. They misappropriated or stole funds. And you're probably going, man, I'm so glad I'm not one of them guys. I'm sure glad I'm not Ananias. I'm sure glad I'm not Sapphira. I'm sure glad, you know, if I did something like that, I, I'm, I sure hope God wouldn't knock me down dead. But aren't we a lot like them? Haven't you held back? The appearance of, oh. God's good. It's going to bless me. And you held back. You see, if we're going to catapult to the next level, you can't hold back. If you say, I'm giving this to God, you need to give this to God. Oh, I'm going to tithe when I win the lottery. Really? But you won't tithe now if you win, if you make ten bucks, you won't give a dollar to the Lord? No, 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 but that's, that's a lot of money out of ten dollars, a dollar. But when I win the lottery, I'll give that ten million if I win a hundred million. Bull-loney. Pulling a Ron Campbell on you. You see, I've got to preach this message because I, I really believe with all my heart God's saying we've got so much to do in this city. 
And we can't do it with people that are going to hold back a portion and hang on to it for themselves. Because when you hold back a portion, you know what you're saying? It's, I don't trust God. I do not believe He's my provider. I don't believe that He is going to rebuke the devourer for my sake. That's why I've got to hang on to some stuff, Pastor. Well, God's a God of grace and He hasn't knocked anybody down dead here yet. But you know why I believe he did this? And many commentators or commentaries will say the same thing. It was a birthing of the church. And he was not going to let somebody come in and mess up what he had started that early in the, in the birthing process of the church. And so he had to do something radical and great fear came upon the people, right? But what if people, what if, what if people, what if today people were walking up there and they just got, they just got a paycheck for a thousand dollars and they got their tithe and they got a ten dollar bill in there and then they just come up here and they put it in the offering plate and go, boom. So, okay, where's our CYA guys? Come on, carry them out. Come on. Oh, here's another one. Carry them out. Here's, oh, here's another one. Man, the, oh, there'd be bodies piling up here. I'm glad I live under grace. <laughs> but it still means. We should be obedient. See, a lot of people use grace as that, the grace card not to be obedient. And I'm telling you, God don't like that. Malachi 3.8 is pretty, pretty clear. Well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he said, in tithes and offerings. Mary Lou came back from a conference. Rodney Howard Brown, Tampa. First service. How's it going? Well, he's preaching right now. You know, she would call me, text me, whatever. And then we're, we're going to have some praise and worship, and he's preaching. And then we're going to take up an offering. So Rodney Howard Brown preaches for one hour. And then they take up an offering. And then he preaches his sermon. Every night. And every morning. You know why? Because he knows radical givers become radical believers. Radical givers, when he teaches you to give, when he teaches you that what you don't own is yours and you give it away, when, he's, when he gets your heart there, when he gets your heart there, then he's got it here. And you become, he knows what's going to be, what's going to elevate you and catapult you to the next level. But I don't make enough to give. Well, you don't make enough not to give. Verse 7. Now it's about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. In my mind, I'm thinking, where'd she go? She's got the proceeds. They got some extra money. She's at the mall. <laughs> Woo, got some money. Honey, I'll see you in about three hours. I'll be down at the church. And I know they're all going to be waiting there for me because it's going to be a big celebration because we're giving so much to the church. And, man, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to be important people like Barnabas. This prideful spirit, you know. I want everybody to know how much I give and what I gave it for. And, and I'll be there in a minute, but i got some shopping to do. I need to go get a Kate Spade bag, you know. And I need to go have some fun. So three hours later, she shows up. Don't believe, don't believe they couldn't shop back then. They were shoppers. <laughs> right? And Peter answered and said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? The word test also means tempt. Jesus told Satan what? 
Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He said, look at the feet of those who have buried your husband or at the door, and they will carry you out. Now, that's a word of knowledge. He wasn't, predict- he wasn't saying you die in Jesus' name. He just had a word of knowledge. She's about to go. She's about to kill over too. She didn't get to get out her excuse either. See, God really doesn't care about our excuses. He, he cares about our actions and our obedience. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. The young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. God has a method. He will get his message across. The fourth thing I want you to see out of this Ananias and Sapphira is we should treasure our destiny, not our possessions. Think about the destiny that they missed. Think about Ananias and Sapphira. God has graciously bestowed upon him. You're beautiful. You're a precious gem. And you can't realize and, and you will never reach your destiny because your possessions have overcome you. And in your pride, you want to be, you want to be exalted above God because you want to come in. Everybody, look what we gave. And their destiny was snuffed out that day. Snuffed out. Guess who else's destiny was snuffed out because of possessions? Judas Iscariot. Guess who else's their destiny, as far as we know, was snuffed out because of possessions? The rich young ruler. They had a love of money. They had a love of possessions. And I'm telling you, we live in a society, in a culture that says get and get more and get all that you can. And if you can't afford it, put it on a card. And we've got Christians that are, that are coming to church and they're always not going to tithe, but I've got a credit card payment. And if I don't, if I don't pay this or if I don't pay this car payment, they're going to come get my vehicle. And we get ourselves in all sorts of messes because we do things outside the will of God. And we, we start thinking, if I've got more stuff, then people want, might like me more. And that's so far from the truth. Matthew 16, 25, Jesus said, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, some people go, well, were Ananias and Sapphira, did they go to heaven or hell? I personally think they went to heaven. I, I, I think they did. And Jesus, even in this verse, he's not talking about their spirit. He's talking about their soul, their mind, will, and emotions. Because I believe that they, they were part of that, that revival. They were part of that Pentecostal movement. And they meant, but they were, they were not thinking clearly. They, were not, they, didn't have their, they didn't have their spiritual eyes open enough. And so they had their, their mind on possessions. And so they thought what they were doing was a good thing. You see, a lot of people in church, we think we're doing a good thing, but we're not doing a God thing. We, we, we do things, but we're not hearing God tell us to do them. We're hearing our own voice tell us to do them. And they may look good on the surface, but if it's not God, then get away from it. Treasure your destiny, not your possessions. I go back and I mentioned Barnabas. Guess what happened to Barnabas? Because he didn't treasure his possessions. It says he went and sold his property, laid it at the feet of apostles. You know what that tells me also? That he trusted the authority. He submitted to authority. You know, it's kind of funny. I was reading this. I thought, well, you know what? People come up and actually lay money at my feet. Here's my feet and there's your money. And I think you do it. 
because you're trying you're being obedient to God, but I think you also trust me. <laughs> well, I don't know so sure about that one, Pastor. Really, if you didn't trust me, you wouldn't do that. Because actually, uh, you may not know this, but we distribute this. We distribute it to the Don Babbins and the Ron Campbells and the Bobby Chances and the Pregnancy Help Center and the jail ministry. And we, 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 we sow it into the food pantry. When you, when you do this, you're sowing and sowing and sowing. And when you, if you ever see it get out of whack... I'm telling you, the elders will come to me before you do. Before we ever see it out of Kelter. Because that's where the enemy works. He works within and not without. Okay? So we see a man named Barnabas. He gives. He's a man of integrity. He's walking in this unity of the Spirit. He is unselfish. And we see further down the line that he is a powerful man of God. He was the one responsible for bringing Paul into the fold. You understand that? But what if he would have held back and he would have hit the ground that day like Ananias and Sapphira and not realized his destiny? See, God's got a destiny for you, but you're not going to realize it until you give it everything, give him all of it. A lot of people go, well, what if he asked me to give everything? Well, then give everything. More than likely, he's not going to. He wants your heart first. He'll work on the rest of us, the rest of you after that. But the this, this story, it seems like a physical property that was sold, but it was a, the physical always mirrors the spiritual, doesn't it? It was a heart issue. We think we have true freedom and also have complete control, but it doesn't work that way. True freedom is when you have no control. And Holy Spirit has all of it. I have a, a thing. Are we doing on time? Yeah. I have a thing on uh, uh, when I do premarital counseling. And if you've taken the deal, don't get offended. I want to read some of yours and give them your names. Okay. Survey says. There's one question, and I, I've, I've got this off of somebody else's site, you know, because somebody smarter than me that has been doing these questions. It's a questionnaire. And one of the, one of the questions on the questionnaire is, do you think that your mate should have a night to their own. And they both of them answer the question, and nine times out of ten, they oh, yeah, 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 they need to have a night of their own. And I go, really? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I like to do things with the guys, and I want to keep doing the things with the guys, and she, I like to do the things with the girls, I'm going to keep doing the things with the girls. I said, <laughs> it sounds good now, but when you're married, you're married. And you think you can drag your old life with you and hang on to bed at some of the buddy-buddy things and, and have a full-on awesome marriage? It doesn't work. See, a lot of you are going, ah, Pastor, you're wrong. I'm telling you, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You know why? Because you're holding back. I won't just keep this little portion of my old life because I know I'm not going to be the same anymore. I'm not going to be the man I used to be. I gotta hang, I gotta hold on to my old life. And they go in their marriage giving about 75% to their marriage, and God says, Nope, I want you to give 100%. Does that mean you can't go play around the golf or go play? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about a mindset. 
I'm talking about a mindset that I want to keep hanging on to my life. See, that's what a lot of Christians do. I'm going to give my life to all oh, to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give except that little, little sin that I want to hang on to. I'm going to hang on to that till I die. Because that's what we do. Right? It's like an apartment complex. You're like your heart's an apartment complex and you've rented out a lot of rooms. You get all the rooms to Jesus except for a couple. You reserve those for you. You reserve those for the enemy. And he hangs on to just a little bitty part of you. And he says, all to Jesus? You're going to surrender all? Ananias and Sapphira, you're going to give it all? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God wants everyone. When we, when we give our all, he's asking for our all. And I know it's a process. We're working on it. God's working on us. Matter of fact, he will show you some places that you've been holding on to today that you've tucked away. Nobody knows about that one. God says, really? Seriously? Let go of it. Give it all. They didn't count their possessions as their own. I started to end my sermon there, but I had to go to the next part. I really did. Because we're talking about catapulting. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? So we'll look at verses 12 through 16, then we'll close. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Here we go. And they were all with what? One accord. Oh, after all of that happened, they're still in one accord. In Solomon's porch. Think about this. Two people just died. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. I wonder why the people didn't want to join them. Well, I heard if you don't, you know, I could go, yeah, but they're, they're actually dying. <laughs> they're not getting up. I think I'll stay away from that one. We, we set the bar pretty low in church today, haven't we? It's kind of what, it's what I think it's just totally spirit just showed me. We set the bar pretty low. Ah, just come in, sign a piece of paper, getting some water dunked, and then go live your own life and hang on to what you want to hang on to. Give what you, you want to give a couple of bucks and tip Jesus, tip him. We set the bar pretty low. Well, I'm right. We're raising the bar today. You know, you may not come back. You might want to go find some place where it's more comfy. But God wants you to, he wants you to succeed. He wants you to be successful. He wants this body of believers to be successful. And we're not going to be that if we're just half in. That's an extra part. I didn't, that's not written down. But look what happened. I want you to see what happened when they, when the bar was high, when the bar was Jesus. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes, both men and women. Shouldn't we have multitudes here today? Multitudes, like where are we going to put them all? So they brought the sick. Listen, they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And also multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I want to close with this. We need to treasure correction. We need to treasure when God says, Harold, no, stop. 
We need to treasure when he says, Harold, yes, go, do. We need to treasure when he says, you're out of line, get back in line. You're off track, get back on track. When he tells each and every one of you, because he speaks to us today. He speaks to you through his audible voice, through his still small voice, through the word of God, through James, through visions, through nature. He speaks and he speaks and he speaks and he speaks to us. And we ought to be listening. And when he says, take two steps to the right, take two steps, not one, take two. Because he loves you enough to keep you from avoiding a wreck. I was reading on Facebook the other day. Somebody said they got a ticket. In this church. And you know who you are. And you were upset. Well, I shouldn't have got a ticket as in my own neighborhood. Just because I didn't turn my turn signal on and whatever. And they said I did this and that. And they got, I got stopped and I got a ticket. Now, I had to deal with that issue before. I was going down Bryant and I was going to have to go to the hospital and I caught a red light. So I decided I would turn right there on the red. And so I stopped, I looked and nobody there and I turned right and went on, went down the street and I got a ticket because the cop pulled up behind me and she said, you didn't have your turn signal on. I said, well, I thought I did, but she said, no, you didn't, sir. And I thought, well, I'm going to, I had a guy, a friend of mine said, you can fight that. You can fight that. You don't have to pay that ticket. If you'll go do this, 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 this. And you know what God said to me? He said, Harold, submit to authority. You want to learn something today, Harold? Submit to authority. So I said, yes, sir, Lord, I want to learn something. And I didn't know that maybe God, when, I, when the police officer stopped me, that I might have avoided a wreck down the road because of that other car that was going to run that red light. And we get all upset about authority. And God says, no, listen to authority. It's your benefit that you listen to authority. And I, man, I don't like getting tickets either. And I thought it was, I thought it was unjust. Woo! I'm a preacher. I was going to the hospital to visit a sick person. Just kept writing. Just kept writing. How about a warning? Just kept writing. But see, God was trying to teach me something. And he's trying to teach you something today. Through the word of God about submitting. Because we're not going to get to the next level unless we allow him to correct us and we don't get mad at him in return. Lord, you're right. I really messed that one up. I will go and talk to them. I will apologize. Did you know this last month, we went through the bait of Satan in our life group. I've got like three, four, five calls from people that don't even go to this church anymore that ask me to forgive them. And I thought, were you in the class? <laughs> because it's all about taking up a defense. They weren't in the classes. But I knew God had put it on their heart to ask me to forgive them for something that they had done. Not a girl that, that came here one time. She a, a year later, she came here. She sang on a Sunday morning, our 10-year anniversary. She came and sang because at the beginning of our church, she sang. And she's got an incredible voice. She came on our 10-year anniversary. She flew in from Nashville so she could sing. And she came in and she sang and, man, belted it out. And we, yeah, praise Jesus. A year later, she called me. She said, Pastor, I need you to forgive me. I said, why? She said, because I wasn't prepared that night. I had been doing some things. I wasn't, in the, I wasn't where I was supposed to be spiritually. And I got up in front of everybody and it made it look like I was, I was somebody special. And she said, I want you to forgive me. I said, I forgive you. I love you. I thank you for being honest. Integrity. You see, that's when we are going to come together, guys, when we recognize that we're all, none of us are perfect, when we recognize that we need each other, we need to correct each other in love, and we are going to move, we're going to go places that only the Spirit can take us.
Y'all believe that? And stand to your feet this morning. Ministry team, could you come? Mary Lou, could you come and play? I almost wanted to save the offering for the end of service. And you know what? The plates are still here. The plates are still here. If you've been holding them back, I'm not saying God's going to knock you down when you walk out the door when you come up here. I'm, I'm not going to, I wouldn't dare do that because, shoot them, we'd all be dead. <laughs> wouldn't we? If every time we messed up and we didn't do everything exactly the way we were supposed to, we would all be dead. But God's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. His mercies are new every morning. And He wants you to walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God. Just bow your heads. Maybe He's dealing with you this morning about giving all. Maybe you're holding back a compartment of your life and saying, when I get this cleaned up, straightened out, then I'll give Him all. He said, no, I want you to give it to me now. Then I'll help you give it all. I will bring the healing to you. We have much to do in the body of Christ at Freedom Fellowship. I want everybody to be on board. When we began this ministry 18 years ago, we said we're not going to agree with the summer slump. We're not going to come into agreement with the tithes and offerings are down in the summer. We're not going to agree that the attendance will go down in the summer. You know why? Because the world says that's what it's supposed to be like. Every church I ever went to is, well, we're going to have to take up an extra offering because it's the summer slump. People quit giving. They spend their money on the vacations. Wow. I said, nah. One of my dreams was to have 100% of the membership of this church tithe. You know, the tithe is just reduced the devourer. That's just the 10%. But one of my dreams is also that we would sow. We would sow, sow, sow. Not because we're going to get things back, but because God said to do it. Because we love to advance the kingdom of God. So this morning, Father, I pray that every person in here hears the sound of my voice. That first of all, they would recognize the power of unity. Father, that from this point on, Lord, no more lies. No more telling you lies. No more lying to themselves or lying to others. That today, integrity would march into their heart. And they say, I want to be a person of truth. And if you have a lying spirit and you, you feel like that's part of your, your makeup, part of your soulish area, come and get prayer this morning. We can bind it up and we can cast it out. The lying spirit doesn't have a place in the, in, the, in the body of Christ or in the believer because the, the lies come from the enemy, not from God. So you need to be free of that. So if you're dealing with that, we want you to come. If you're holding back, we want you to come. If you've been robbing God, we want you to come and get prayed for, get healed. If God's corrected you and you said, I don't want God correcting me, you need to repent. Say, God, I'm so sorry. I'll submit. I want to submit to authority. Let's, let's, just, let's begin something that all the city is going to be talking about. Not about freedom fellowship, but about Holy Spirit moving in power. Man, wouldn't that be awesome to be walking down the street? Hey, where do you go to church? Freedom fellowship. Man, I hear the Holy Spirit's moving there. 
I hear people are getting I hear people are getting healed and delivered and miracles are taking place. You don't think that would catch on like wildfire in this city? Expectation. It's a breeding ground for miracles. You need a miracle this morning? I ask you to come. Let's pray for you. Father, today, whatever the needs are, and there are probably hundreds in this place. But Lord, we need you. We need you today. Whatever we need, Father, we know that you can give it. That you're that kind of God. You're a forgiving, loving, graceful God. You want to restore us and renew us and send us out as an army that walks as one. Pray this in Jesus' name. Step out and come if you need prayer this morning. We have prayer people in the back and we have prayer people in the front. Step out and come if you need Jesus Christ. If you've never given him your life, you never made him Lord of your life, step out and come. Come on. Come on. If you're holding back something, come on. Just be honest. Say, I'm holding back. I want to give everything to I want to give everything to the Lord. I submit. Come tell somebody up here, I'm going to submit to the Lord. Make yourself accountable to somebody.